Our scripture this morning is from John 1, verses 1 through 9. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Well, we're continuing our series this morning, Jesus Saves. And we're, we've been looking over these last few weeks at the wonderful ways that Jesus describes salvation and how it benefits you and me and how it really reframes the whole world. And today we're going to talk about one of the ways he talks about salvation the most in the Gospel of John as the concept of light. That Jesus is the light that we need in the midst of darkness. That he brings light into our lives and he makes us into light for the benefit of others. I'm really excited that we get to talk about this today because we are in a period of time in the midst of this COVID crisis where it feels like there is so much darkness, where it feels like there is so much darkness in the world and there is so much darkness even in our views of the future. It, I don't know how it's been for you, but for, for me and for our family and for people I've talked to, it feels like the future is so dim and dark and that we're just sort of groping, wondering what it's going to look like. And that applies for some of us in terms of our personal health journeys. Like, rather than, rather than feeling like we have a clear picture of the future, we're just left wondering, looking into a haze of darkness of, am I going to be okay? Are the people I love going to be okay? And maybe Mother's Day even brings us to the fore for some of us. Is my mom going to survive this? Or my grandmother going to survive this? And even if our health is okay, what kind of world are we going to be living in a year from now or two years from now or three years from now? Am I going to have a job? Is my family going to be okay economically? Is the, the country or the world going to be okay economically? And am I going to be able to afford things I thought I was going to be able to, to afford, like retirement or sending my kids to college or being able to, to buy a home in the future? Um, and it feels like that stuff can just be so dark in the distance because we just don't have answers for it. And maybe you sort of spun around these topics with people you care about or with your spouse. And you just are so frustrated that you just don't know. It feels like you're gazing into the dark. I get asked sometimes about the church. Like, how is the church going to reopen? Or when is it going to reopen? When are we going to start having services again? Are we going to have VBS? Are we going to have youth camp? Are we going to have mission trips? Um, are we going to have threefold communion? Like, how are we going to be able to know what's coming? And the discouraging answer for me and for a lot of us is, we, we just don't know. God hasn't given us that glimpse of the future. And so, like you, we're walking into the darkness together. Now, I do want to reassure you and actually let you know that, that our elders have put together a task force of people with uh, wonderful capacity and thoughtfulness and wisdom to help guide some of these decisions as we think over the next couple years maybe next few months especially, about when can we have public services again, when can we have kids programming, youth group, all sorts of things again. So you'll be hearing more about that, that task force in the weeks and months to come. But even these people who are 
pharmacists and pediatricians and nurses and, and wonderful people in our church, they're in the darkness with us trying to figure this out. And in the midst of this time of darkness that, that we're all living in together and that we're living in with the world around us, we have options of how we're going to respond from a soul level. And unfortunately, most of us in the midst of darkness choose despair. Darkness can be so discouraging and so oppressive and so frustrating that we just opt out into despair. And for some of us, that despair takes the form of self-destructive behaviors and sinful behaviors. We start eating too much and drinking too much and screaming too much and tuning out too much. And even to the point of, of, uh, of offending God in the way that we um, are sinning against him. And, and some of that takes the form of anger. Anger at ourselves, anger at our spouse, anger at our kids. In the midst of darkness, we don't even sometimes want to see the light of God. We just sort of want to numb out and tune out. I hope that in today's passage, that as you look at Jesus as the light of the world and as the light of your life, you will see him as the light in the midst of this COVID crisis that we all need. In this passage, we're going to kind of look at that in three parts. Like, how is Jesus light for us? Why do we need that sort of light? And then lastly, how does that light change the way we relate to each other and even to our moms on this Mother's Day? So let's jump into the passage together today in John chapter 1, verse 4. Jamie read this whole famous prologue at the beginning of John's gospel just a couple minutes ago. And in that prologue, it starts with the, the famous line, the line that St. Augustine said should be engraved in gold on every church in the, in the Christian world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What a beautiful picture of the idea that Christ is God with us. And then in verse 4, in the part of the passage we're going to look at today, John continues to talk about how Jesus is God with us in describing him as the light that we need. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. When John says that Jesus is the light of your life and of my life, he's, he's saying no less than Jesus was God with us. Jesus is God with us. Now, it's a little different than our culture, right? Because in our culture, we ascribe a lot of people to being lights in our life. We think of people who are inspiring, people who move us, people who make us want to be a better person. We say, oh, you're a, you're a light in my life. We think of uh, Malala Youssef, or we think of Jackie Robinson, or we think of John Wooden. We say those are lights in our life. And if you think I just worked in two UCLA sports heroes for no reason, I, I really miss sports. Um, really miss sports. But no, in, in our culture, we, we talk about people as lights all the time for a wide variety of reasons, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But when John is talking about it here in John 1, he's talking about it in a specific way that should remind us of God himself. I mean, think about in the time of Exodus. How did God show himself to the people of Israel? As a pillar of light who led them through the darkness. Think about Psalms, like Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Or think about Psalm 119, verse 105. 
The, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Right? Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Jesus is the carrying on of that. That Jesus is the one who just like God himself in the Old Testament brought light to Israel is now the one who brings light, verse 4 says, to all men or all humanity. That Jesus has brought light that we can all see by and walk behind. Now this isn't a unique religious idea to Christianity, right? Often religions depict God or the divine as light. Um, you can think about the ways that candles are used in worship in religions all over the world. You can think about how Plato, uh, before the time of Christ, described light as the personific. He described light as the way that people could understand the divine. But what's unique about what John is saying, what Christianity is saying, is that light is not just a philosophical concept or the divine in general, something that we aspire to off in the distance. What John says is no light is a person, the person of Jesus Christ. That his life, verse 4 says, is the light of men. That light is not just off at the end of the mountain that we try to climb up to, but the light has come near and shown himself in the person of Jesus. Paul picked up this language in Ephesians 5 in a verse that was used to, uh, during, probably during the baptisms of people in the church in Ephesus. When he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Man, isn't that what you need and I need? That, that Christ would shine on us, would show us a path in the midst of this darkness. This really gets to the second major thing I want to talk about. It's that the light of Christ changes us. It doesn't just give us something to aspire to. And it certainly isn't something that is just designed to oppress us, but actually changes us from the inside out. It helps us to understand God. And it helps us understand what it means to walk in Christ's footsteps. Think about how Jesus would talk about light later in John chapter 8, verse 12, when he said, I am the light of the world. It's a famous passage when Justin referred to a few weeks ago when he talked about the man who was blind, who had seen a great light. But think about the second part of that verse. I am the light of the world. And this is what Jesus says. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What Jesus is saying is that without following him, we walk in darkness. Without Jesus, we are lost on our own, trying to find and grope our way through the world. But with him, we have the light of life. Jesus says that he is the way that we can distinguish light from darkness, right from wrong. And because of him, we can find a path in this world. Unfortunately, a lot of us choose to push Jesus away and we choose to be more comfortable in darkness, not realizing how desperately we need his light in our world. When Beck and I were first married, we lived in a tiny apartment. Some of you guys have heard me tell you about this place before, but I just think it's hilarious that two adults thought we could live in a 380 square foot apartment. Now, if, you don't, if you're not real good with square footage, that's probably about the size of your garage. Um, but it didn't have a garage. It just had 380 square feet. And we tried to cram all of our two newlywed stuff into this tiny apartment. All our clothes and our bicycles, and in my case, some, some hockey equipment that smelled awful. Um, and Becca let me hide it behind the couch, which was next to the bathroom, which was next to the kitchen, because everything was really close together. 
And why am I telling you this? Um, as we tried to stuff all our stuff in the tiny bedroom, we quickly discovered that there was not enough light in this tiny apartment, and certainly not enough light behind all of the boxes and boxes that we packed up on the side of the wall. And after about three months of living there, mold had started to take over one of the walls. And so we took a bunch of bleach and water and we washed off the walls and then we put all the boxes back. And you know what happened? <laughs> the mold just grew back. And it only took us two or three times because, you know, we're smart, to realize that unless we bring light into this home, the mold is going to keep recurring. Light was the only thing that was going to really solve this problem in a long-term way. Without light, this mold in the darkness was going to continue to fester. Now, I wonder how many of your souls and my souls can be like that. We try to solve the problem on our own without bringing the light of Christ to bear. By the way, just since I mentioned Becca, and some of you guys have been kind enough to ask how she's doing, I did want to mention um, she has fully recovered from her symptoms. She is feeling a lot better. Thank you for reaching out to her. Um, and by God's grace, she's the only one in our home who got sick, and so the rest of us are, are recovering, or are, the rest of us are enjoying the fact that she's recovering and are healthy on our own. All right, well, I do want to respond to an objection here. When we say that Jesus is the light of the world, and that Jesus brings light into dark places, sometimes people will say, you know, that, that's not my experience. My experience is that, that Christians are fake people, that they don't live in light. They're always trying to hide. They're trying to hide and pretend they're better than they are. They don't want to deal with honest reality. How can you say that Jesus brings light rather than hiding? And if that's been your experience, I really am sorry to hear that because, um, frankly, that's sometimes my experience. And that's sometimes been my life as well. Because it is tempting to try to pretend that we have more together than we really do. But I would say that's, that's not really a Christian experience. That's a human experience. I mean, after all, how many of us are truly honest about who we are before others and before God? But with Jesus... If you have a longing that you could be honest, Jesus is the means to get there. Because Jesus is the one who has come and seen you as you truly are and has loved you, has died for you, and who you can, uh, who you can honestly stand before and say, God, you know me at my worst and you love me. So I don't have to try to pretend before you. If you read this passage and you hear Jesus saying that he is the light of the world and you have a longing for that to be true, I hope you see in Jesus the fulfillment of that longing that you have. After all, in verse 5, Jesus says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I love this verse because it marks a, a change from the first four verses. Previously in the prologue, John has talked about things in the past tense, things that already are accomplished, things that Jesus has already done. But in verse 5, he talks about something that Jesus continues to do. Right? The light shines in the darkness. You might notice that second S, shines, continues to shine. The light shines on. The, li the light persists in shining. Um, the light is continuing to shine even in all that has happened to it. The darkness has tried to overcome it, John's saying, but has not succeeded. This is probably a reference to the crucifixion. The idea that even at its worst, the darkness of the world cannot push out the light of Christ. This is important for you and me because it means that the light of Christ will never fail to shine on you. 
the light of Christ, there's nothing that can stop it. As Paul will write in Romans 8, when he describes the love of God, he'll say that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And because of that, we can have reality be our friend, right? If, if nothing can separate us from the light of Christ, there's nothing you can say or do or no, nothing that can be revealed about you before God that you can't bring into the light. There's nothing that can separate us from that because the light shines on even as darkness has tried to push its way back against it. And because of that, we have a secondary, not a primary role in partnering with God in his mission. Here's what I mean, because the light shines no matter what. It's not our responsibility to try to drum that up. It's just our responsibility to come along with God and reflect it to the world around us. That's what John says in verse 6. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. What, what the Gospel of John is saying here is that John the Baptist was the one not who was responsible to bring light into the world. In fact, he wasn't the light of the world. He just came to talk about and to reflect the light to those around him. I was thinking about what it would free you up and free me up if we didn't feel the responsibility to be the light of our families or to be the light of even our own lives, but to say that Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of your family. He's the light of your life. And your responsibility is only secondary. It is important, but it's only secondary. It's just to be a reflection of light rather than a producer of light yourself. Um, I asked Andrew if he could bring me a, a reflector, like a, a bicycle reflector, to remind us visually that we are reflectors of the light of Christ in our homes. By the way, Andrew's the one who's been putting together these videos for us on Sunday mornings, so I'd encourage you to thank him for all the hard work he's been putting in. The result of, of Jesus being the light is that we're no longer in darkness, and we have an opportunity to partner with him to bring light into the lives of the people around us. As Isaiah 60 will describe God in a similar way, it says, Let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Think about that first. This passage from Isaiah 60 really is my blessing for you as moms. That the best gift you can give your family is to let the glory of Christ shine on you so that you can let that light shine in your homes and with your kids and with your families, so that you can be the sort of guide that they need. Of course, this role of guide is not unique to moms, right? Fathers, you play this role as well. Friends, you play this role. Kids, some of you as maybe adult children are trying to be a guide to your parents, especially right now in this season. We're trying to be guides in each other's lives as mentors and as life group leaders and as youth group leaders. So, so I'm not saying that that the only hope for a guide is a mother. But on this Mother's Day, I do, I do want to honor the role that so many of you play as guides in your kids' lives, pointing them to the light of Christ and shining a flashlight in the path in front of them. And also, it's worth recognizing today that some of us have had poor guides. All of our mothers have failed us at times, and some of our mothers have failed us terribly. They haven't given a light to what's going on in our heart or in the world around us. They've given us a false impression of what is light and what is dark. But in all those losses and in those joys, 
we look behind the flashlight in front of us towards the greater light of Jesus himself. If we've failed to receive good guidance from the people in our lives, we can look at Jesus and be grateful that he provides the greater light. If we've received excellent guidance from our earthly moms, we can honor them today, we can thank them for that, and we can praise God that he has given us a reflector of himself in our mom to see what is good and holy in this world. And all of us then have the opportunity and the responsibility to take forward the chance to be light in our generation and in our day, not just for the good that it'll produce now, but so that people will see the light of Jesus Christ behind that. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and he is the light of your life, and he can be the light that will lead you to the Father. Not because you have to earn your way there, but because he has brought God's light to you, and that light will never be extinguished. It will never be overcome. It will never be overpowered by darkness, because Jesus has already gone to the cross for your sins he has experienced the full range of what the darkness of this world can do, and he has conquered it. And so because of that, you can honestly confess your sins. You can bring the, the darkest parts of your hearts to him this morning. You can say, God, this is the truth, the darkest truth of what's going on in my life, and his light will shine on you. His light will shine on you not to leave you that way, but not to harm you either, in order to bring you to a place of holiness, and a place of reflecting him to the people around you. If you've never taken that step to, to open your heart to Christ, to open your life to the light that he offers, I hope that you'll do it this morning. That, that you'll pray to God and say, God, would you shine on me? Would you bring what is good and pure into my life? I, I confess that I have lived in darkness in small ways and in great ways. I have done things that I should not have done, and I failed to do the things I should have done. Thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. And I am so grateful that that darkness has not defeated him, but that I can have hope of light and life eternally. If you've already become a Christian, if you've made prayed a prayer similar to that a long time ago, as we come to communion, it's a time to be reminded that we need the light of Christ in every part of who we are. And communion is a reminder that we can bear our souls fully before a God who loves us. As we take the bread and cup, we're reminded this morning that he has uh, given his light for us, that we might reflect that light to others. And the communion table this morning can be a time of rededicating your life to Christ. Well, I want to close uh, with a reminder that Christ's light is what we need. It is the light in the midst of the darkness. And it is the light that we can reflect and shine to others. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being the light that I need and that our church needs and our world needs. God, would you help us to walk behind you in light so that we can see the world around us, we can see the truth about our hearts, we can see the truth of one another, and we can be part of your mission. May we reflect you to the world all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.